listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Same thing happened to me today that happened to me the rest of this week. Uh, and I want you to, if you have your Bible, if you're not, I'm going to read you the verse of scripture. But those that are on, uh, please put the references in the comments for others that are watching later. Um, I'm going to start in Romans chapter 8. I put it in the, in the title, the only uh, success factor or the only success principle that you'll ever need that really matters with a question mark because two reasons I put it put it like a question number one when you listen to people talk about success or leadership or anything else there's endless <laughs> books written there's endless principles that are taught um, feels like you could dive into that subject and be on it for years and never have to recycle the same information. And then this seems to be like something people don't, I'm talking about even Christians, you don't hear them focusing on this. You hear them focusing on all the other stuff. But really, I'm saying it to you like it's a statement, but I put it in like a question. The only success factor you'll ever really need, yes, this is truly the only thing you ever really need. And so I'm going to start in Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read that famous passage in verse 31 and talk about this. Um, Romans 8, 31 says this, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's, that's, that's what I want to focus on right there. If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm flipping back now to 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. Morning, Ben. Love you, buddy. If God is for us, tell me who can be against us. So you flip back and you see King David and something happened. It devastated him and all of his men that were with him. Uh, the Bible says in verse 1 of 1 Samuel 30, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. They'd overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And when David and his men came to the city and found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. David's two wives had also been taken captive. Verse six, and David was greatly distressed. Why? For the people spoke of stoning him. <laughs> that'll, that'll distress anybody. 
and they were bitter in soul because of their, each of their sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Good morning, Sandy. And so I want you to see this. This is a very tragic situation. Your whole family and all of your friends' families have been abducted, taken, and, and you don't know if you'll ever see them again. They wept until they had no more strength to weep. No more strength. People were so angry. They thought about killing David. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, you would think, you would think, if somebody, an enemy, and you're a warrior, and you've got a band of warriors with you, if somebody took my family, took my kids, took my wives, and, and made off with them, abducted them, there's no question about what's next. I'm going to get them. I am going to get them. <laughs> it's like you're turning it into to a Liam Neeson movie. Taken five, taken six. I'm going to get them. I'm not just going to sit here and say, well, they're gone. You know, nothing more we can do. No, we're all warriors. We're all well able. Let's go and get our families back. Let's go and get our children back. But David didn't do exactly that. He didn't, he definitely didn't do that first. And this is what I want to show you. Again, if God is for you, tell me who can be against you. If God is for you, tell me who can be against you. So what did David do? Verse 7, 1 Samuel 30 and verse 7. And David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought the ephod to David. The ephod was a priestly garment. One thing that's important to remember about David, he was not just a king. David was a prophet, a priest, and a king. He was a prophet, a priest, and a king. He actually is a type and a shadow of Jesus who was to come. Jesus was a prophet. Jesus was our high priest and is our high priest. And he's king of kings and Lord of lords. So Jesus is a prophet, a priest, and a king. David was a prophet, a priest, and a king. So truly, he transitioned from standing in that role of king in that moment to standing over in that role of priest. And he said, bring me the ephod. Put on that priestly garment. Morning, Ted. Morning, Mary Beth. Put on that priestly garment. And what does he do? The Bible says, and he inquired of the Lord. Now look at this, because this is, I'm telling you, this is so important. If people could catch this, this is the only success factor that really matters. The only one. David, who was a skilled warrior, had skilled warriors with him, still asked the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, the Lord answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue them. But look, David's not just charging off after his family. He's not just charging off after his kids and his wives, his wives, because he had two. No, 
He's going to ask the Lord first, will you be with me? Should I go? What do you say about it? Because see, David came to understand, I need the Lord's help. I have to have the Lord's help. That's key. If I don't have the Lord's help, what's the point in going at all? What is the point in going at all? The one thing that matters more than anything else, anything else, is, is the Lord with me in this endeavor? Do I have God's help? Do I have God's help? You say, well, don't all Christians have God's help? Not in everything they do. Not in everything they do. That's why it's so important to do what David did and to inquire of the Lord. This is before people could be filled with the Holy Spirit. Nobody in this time was baptized in the Holy Ghost. Nobody uh, had the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. It, the day of Pentecost had not come. So the Holy Spirit would come upon certain ones. But David here is asking the Lord and being led by the Spirit in the Old Testament. Should I go? Should I overtake? Yes. And God says yes. So notice, David's of the mindset, if God says no, I'm not going. If God says no, I'm not going. I will stay right here. Oh, yeah. The men spoke of stoning him. And yes, they all weeped until there was no more strength to weep. But if God is not with me in this, I'm not going. I'm not going. I'm not going. The Lord's presence with you. See, people say, well, what do you mean not every Christian has this? Not in everything they do, because that's what's the that that's the importance of being led by the Spirit. I'm not just going to do anything. I'm going to do what the Lord has asked me to do. Look at this. First Chronicles chapter 4. God likes it. God likes it when you ask for his help, inquire for his um, direction. God likes that. And he hates it when people stop doing that. They, he can't stand it when people stop doing that. And I'll show you that in a moment. But look at 1 Chronicles 4. In the midst of all these genealogies that are being read and listed for us, it stops for a couple of verses and says this in 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 and 10. And Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called him Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. Verse 10, Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Look at that. God granted what he asked. Yes, Annette, we're streaming the services in Tomball right on these channels that I'm live right now. These same channels, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Live. God granted. You know why? God wants you to ask for his help. God wants you to seek his uh, 
guidance. And this blew me away. I was reading, um, and I'll give you this, this reference as well. I was reading, just doing my devotions one day, and I was reading in the book of Zephaniah. And as I was reading in Zephaniah, I got to this passage. I was, I was reading that day in the New Living Translation, and it hit me different. And I got to verse 6 of, of Zephaniah 1. This is Zephaniah 1.6. And it, it struck me because I thought, this is what makes the Lord angry? This is what, this is what irritated him about, the, about his people? Look at this. Verse 6, Zephaniah 1.6. And I will destroy those who used to worship me, but now no longer do. Well, of course, I understand that. But number, number two, they no longer ask for the Lord's guidance. That struck me. It made him angry that they no longer asked for his guidance. They no longer asked for his guidance. And then number three, and they no longer seek my blessings. That's the New, Li New Living Translation of Zephaniah 1.6. I'll destroy those who used to worship me and now they no longer do. They used to ask for my guidance and they no longer do. They used to seek my blessings and now they no longer do. So the Lord is irritated when people stop asking for his guidance. Think about that. Let it settle into your spirit for a moment. The Lord is irritated when people stop asking for his guidance. I mean, think about it. He created, especially for the New Testament believer, he created a positioning system for you, the Holy Spirit, who he said would lead you and guide you into all truth, all truth, that you'd be led. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. They are the sons of God. And so, he sent you a positioning system called the Holy Ghost so that you could always go the right direction, so that you could always make the right choices, so that you could always be in the right place at the right time. And you've got a whole group of Christians that don't even care to inquire of the Lord whether or not they should do something, whether which job they should take, what they should do with their life, where they should go to college, if they should go to college you know, where they should live, who they should marry, all these major life decisions. And people don't, Christian people, many of them don't even ask the Lord and, and consult him. That's why even when I was a youth pastor, I would, I would tell my young people, teach my young people, don't make important life decisions without fasting and praying first. Don't make important life decisions without fasting and praying first. Because remember something, God already has a plan for your life. He already has one. He's not waiting for you to come up with a plan for your life. He has one for you. He's already created you to do a specific thing. He has assigned you a specific task. Our job as believers is to discover the will of God for our lives, and then carry it out by obedience and faithfulness. That's why I don't even teach my children that they can be, when you grow up, 
You can be anything you want to be. That's not the Christian way. When you grow up, you can't be anything you want to be. You have to be what God called you to be. You have to be what God called you to be. And that's why this is an important verse, even though it's an Old Testament passage. It's vital. It's vital. It irritated the Lord. He was ready to destroy people, destroy people who used to worship him, who used to ask for his guidance, who used to seek his blessings. Now they no longer do. And the Lord said, I'm mad about it. I'm mad about it. Well, let me tell you, that's a picture for us in the New Testament. I'll never stop worshiping the Lord. I'll never stop seeking his guidance. I will never stop seeking his blessings. Never. I want you to put it in the comments. I'll never stop worshiping, seeking guidance, and seeking blessings. Put it in the comments section. I'll never stop worshiping, seeking guidance, and seeking blessings. Ever. I refuse. I'm not going to irritate the Lord by living as though and acting as though I got this, God. I got this. I don't need you. I don't need your help on this one. I'm never going to do it. Let the Lord somehow think about me that I don't need his help. I don't need his assistance. I don't need his power. I don't need his glory. I'm never going to let him think that I don't need his hand of blessing upon my life. I need it. I need it every day. I need it every single day. And you got to seek it every single day. I've made decisions throughout my life, as you know, if you've been on these broadcasts for any period of time. I've made decisions throughout my life that were based on nothing except a leading from the Lord. Not based on anything in the out, outward. Um, there were no signs. There were no there were no re out, you know, outward reasons that I made certain decisions. The only reason I made them is because the Lord told me to. That's it. That's it. I mean, literally, places I've moved, things I've done, not because, and, and, and I'll tell you the truth about it. Sometimes in, in, in my natural mind, it confused me as well. It's not that God confused me. It's that making the decision and knowing what the Lord wanted me to do. I had clarity on what the Lord wanted me to do. I was not confused about that. I had perfect clarity. I knew the instruction, but my natural mind was thinking, seriously, Lord, this is what you want me to do? And at the time, and this is not one time, this is multiple times, it didn't make sense to me. Did not make sense. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, really? This is what you want me to do with my life right now? This is where you want me to move? This is what you want me to engage in? And at the time, my natural mind didn't understand it, though my spirit knew it was the Lord and that I should do it. I should do it. And so I did it. I didn't say, well, you know, when I when it starts to make sense to my mind, you know, I'll step out and do it. No, I trust the spirit over the flesh. I trust the spirit over the soul. <clears throat> so I didn't wait and say, well, 
you know, when this makes sense to my mind, you know, when this makes sense to my mind, then I'll step out. You know, when God gives me a reason why, you know, I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't say when God gives me a reason why, you know why? Cause I'm his servant. So whatever he wants me to do, I'll do it. I'm his servant. Whatever he wants me to do, I'll do it. And so I didn't say, well, you know, when it start, when I start getting a reason from the Lord, no, I don't need a reason. It's like you ever, have you ever told your ch child to do something? You know, like, why? I don't have to explain to you why. I'm your parent. I'm telling you to do a certain thing. And now I want you to do it. I don't have to tell you why. It's all right to explain decision-making process, but you don't want your child asking you 30 questions when you've given them an instruction. We might have people coming over to the house for dinner. We may have guests showing up. Yes, I understand. And I told you to clean up. Clean up the living room. Clean up your room. Why? Why do I have to do that right now? I don't need you to explain to you why. Just obey. And so I'm the same way with the Lord. He's not, and, and in fact, here's the thing. He's not going to explain everything about your future to you in one moment. He'll give you instruction after instruction after instruction. And then he'll give you, and as you obey, he'll give you more. And if you're faithful over a little, he'll make you ruler over much. The increase comes just by obeying the instruction that you have right now. The instruction that you have right now. The only success factor that really matters is, is God on your side? Is he fighting your battle for you? Is he backing you up in the thing you're doing? See, that's why um, when I was listening one time to a service in uh, at Winner's Chapel in Ota, Nigeria, Bishop David Oyedepo said this, and it, it, it's like the motto of their ministry. He said three things. If God can't take us there, may we never arrive. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. And if God didn't command me to do it, let it remain undone. There it is. There it is. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. If God can't take me there, may I never arrive. And if God didn't command me to do it, let it remain undone. You know, there are a lot of things that need to be done in the world. Doesn't mean that I'm the one that's supposed to be doing them. I always use the extreme example of moving to a third world nation and beginning to build orphanages. Are orphanages needed in those nations? Yes. But God did not command me to spend the rest of my life in a third world country building orphanages, though it's, it's needed and though it's an honorable thing to do. And it's something that pleases God. Now, I may send money and fund those orphanages to be built, but I'm not called to go there and oversee the projects and become the guy that built orphanages in, in different places and became that missionary and whatever. He never has told me to do that once. So is it needed? Yes, it's needed. It's needed. There are children all over the world. They need help. Now, 
That doesn't mean I won't partner with the groups that are doing that work. We're already doing that with Feed the Hungry. And we're one of the number one contributors that, that exists to Feed the Hungry. I made sure of it, top 1%. But I'm not traveling overseas and distributing food every month because it's not my calling. The Lord never told me to do that. Is it necessary? Yes, it's needed. But I never got an instruction to do that. So what? Let it remain undone. Let someone else do it that's called to do it, but not me. Because what happens is the moment you start doing things that the Lord didn't tell you to do, then you're responsible for all of the resources, the strength, the protection, all of it's on you. Because now you've gone rogue in the kingdom of God. You've gone rogue. You are AWOL. You can't do that in the military. And we are in a military. We're in God's army. We're in the army of God. But if you're in an in actual military, you can't do that. You can't just say like, well, you know what? Love my uniform, love my weapon. I'm telling you, there's some people that need to be set free. There's refugees in other countries. I'm going to start setting up some missions of my own. Get a few of my buddies from my squadron. We're going to set up a few missions of our own. Leave our battalion behind. We're going to jump on a plane and over, head over to one of these nations where, you know, they've kidnapped young people or they've got refugees. And me and my buddies are going to go on a mission and go set them free. Well, is, are, are the intentions good? Yeah. You want to help people. But you can't do that if you're in the military. They call that absent without leave. AWOL. You've gone rogue. They're not going to fly you over there. The military's not giving you a plane to take you and your buddies to go do something that they never sanctions you to do. They're not going to give you ammunition. They're not going to give you intel about the region. They're not going to send backup. They're not going to send help. They're not going to give you the resources. Why? They didn't sanction you to do it. It's not part of their agenda. See, that's what it's important to remember. It's not my agenda when I join the army. It's me serving their agenda. Same in the kingdom. Why would God give resources and blessing and guidance and all that for stuff he never wanted you to do or planned for you to do? And that's the danger of saying, well, I'm just going to set goals. You know, you get to talk, you get to talk to people about success and leadership and all this stuff. People have all these natural things they've learned from books they read at Barnes and Noble. Well, I got to set my goals first. I got to have a vision, a strategy. Yeah, all that stuff's good. But you don't set your own strategy. You don't set your own goals. For any Christian, the first step is discover God's plan. Please put that in the comments. For a Christian, step one is discover God's plan. That's always the first step. Always. It's never set my goals, set my vision, set my strategies, set my marketing budget, marketing. No. Discover God's plans. Discover God's plans. That's always number one. Because if I'll do that and then simply obey his plans, Simply obey his commands. Let me tell you, 
there's a force that gets behind you, the force of the Holy Ghost, and then the resources come, the help comes, the peace is there, the joy is there, strength is there, open doors are there. When you've discovered God's plan, and then you carry it out in obedience and faithfulness. And if you want to set some goals on how to do the thing the Lord asked you to do, that's good. If you want to set some strategies and ask the Lord to show you the best ways, yeah, that's good. But notice the end goal is his plans, what he anointed me to do, what he set me apart to do. Amen. Amen. I had no plans to pastor a church. No plan whatsoever to pastor a church. I was an evangelist, knew that I was supposed to be for my entire life, five years old. And then we got an instruction from the Holy Ghost that changed everything. Now we're still... We're still evangelizing like I'm here in Tomball this week. But God added this instruction to us, something we never thought we would do, something that we never planned to do. And I was in Canada, and I remember going to the altar by myself, by myself. It wasn't even an altar call. They weren't even giving an altar call. I got out of my seat. I felt the Holy Spirit calling me forward. And I said, Lord, I don't know what it is. And I looked at my mom. I said, isn't everybody going to go to the altar tonight? And she said, they're not doing that right now. But if you feel to do it, go ahead. She trusted that at five years old, I could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for myself. I got out of the seat and I walked to the altar. And I began to pray all by myself. And I knew God was calling me into the ministry. I knew it. I knew it like I know my own name. God was calling me to be an evangelist and preach the gospel at five years old. God can instruct you that early in life. I never doubted it. Never doubted it. And here I am, 35, 36 years later, and I'm doing the exact same thing the Lord told me I'd be doing when I was five years old. Exact same thing. God can lead you and guide you. He doesn't have to wait till you're 18 to give you an instruction. He can lead you. He creates you with a purpose. As he said to some in the Old Testament, I formed you in your mother's womb. I formed you in your mother's womb. I gave you a purpose from before you even came out of the womb. And so God has a plan for your life. You got to discover it. You say, how do I discover God's plan for my life? You got to talk to him. You got to fast and pray. 
Fast and pray. Say, why do I have to fast and pray? Because many times people's flesh nature is so strong, so strong that they can't hear the voice of the Lord, though he's speaking, though he's speaking. And sometimes fasting along with prayer is necessary. I wrote a whole book on that. You can get it and read it and understand why. But when you take time, that's why I tell people, don't do anything. Don't do anything big in your life without fasting and prayer. Don't do anything big in your life without fasting and prayer. Why would I want to go down a path that the Holy Spirit never planned for me to go down? Why would I want to do something he never asked me to do? Why would I want to go after that? Why? Now, here's the thing. Is it obviously it's possible for people to do other things with their life? Yeah. Of course I could have taken another job or another career. I could have gone to college and done anything. I'm no dummy. I could open my own business. I could still do that today. I could st- I could still do that today. But it's not God's plan. God never asked me to do something else. He asked me to do this. Asked me to do this. And so when you pray and when you fast, listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. He'll guide you. And one of the things I tell people is be led by peace. Be led by peace. God's not leading you into turmoil. He's not leading you into anxiety attacks. You know, even though it was a huge instruction for my wife and I to hear him say, start a church in West Palm Beach, in a place you've never done any ministry before, all that seemed big. And it is a big thing. But I didn't feel anxious about it. I didn't feel, um, you know, I wasn't like freaking out, having anxiety attacks, panic. How's this going to work? Carolyn, I don't understand how. No. Anytime we would even begin to think about it, talk about it, what, what God wanted us to do. Perfect peace on that plan. Perfect peace on that goal. Why? Because it was not my plan. I had no plans to do that. It was God's plan. And you know what's funny is that I'm sure there's people that are like, you know, I'm sure there's these preachers that, that you know, they're trying, they feel like it'd be better to have a local home base so they could just have a steady income. I don't even take an income from the church. I don't even take any, I don't take $1 from the church. Doesn't mean at some point the church won't give me a salary. I don't take one now. So <laughs> people say, well, he must have needed another income. Sorry, church. No. I don't take any money from the church. I don't start something because I need an income. I did it because the Lord said to do it. And God's blessed it. God sent us wonderful people from all over the place. And I do mean all over the place because people are coming from uh, driving two hours away, one way to come, and then two hours home. People driving an hour away. People driving 40 minutes away to come be a part. People have sold their homes and, and come and move to West Palm Beach to be a part. And more people have just sold their homes. And more people are coming. Why? If you do that stuff in your own strength and in your own might, 
these kinds of supernatural things don't just happen. They don't just happen. There's a reason people are being drawn. I can't, you know, there's nobody that can just manipulate people. And I've never even talked to these people. They're finding me. I was in a, I was in a gas station at another uh, revival. And, and a family came up to me. They said, man, we've been watching your church online. We're loving it. And the Lord's speaking to us to move down there to be a part of your church. We live in Nashville. We're, we're thinking about selling our house now and moving down. Well, I didn't tell them. I didn't, I didn't even know them enough to even talk to them or anything. I didn't know. I, there was like, nice to meet you. The Lord's talking to them. Family in Kansas. Now, as another family, already sold their house, closed on it. Closing on it, August the 15th. I didn't, I didn't tell them to move. The Lord spoke to them. I mean, you can't manipulate people you don't even know. Not that we're manipulating people. You don't know anybody. So it's like how it's not like I called them up like I really feel like the Lord is telling you to sell your home and move to West. I wouldn't do that anyway. If the Lord doesn't tell you to do it, don't do it. Again, it's about knowing what God has called you specifically to do. Knowing specifically what God's called you to do. And they they know it. They know it. They're not the first. We've already had a bunch of people move down. We've had people move from Virginia. We've had people move from New York. We've had people move from Pittsburgh. We've had people move from Massachusetts. I mean, people are coming from everywhere. People move from Georgia. I mean, all over the place, moving there to be a part of what God's doing. It's supernatural. You can't manipulate that. You can't make that up. It's God that does it. It's God that does it. And so, you know, there's. will there be people that disagree with, with you? Yeah. Absolutely there will be. Don't let that, uh, you know, don't let that affect whether or not you obey what the Lord's told you to do. It's like this drunk guy that's in the comments, Jacob C., that's living in his mom's basement. The socialist. He doesn't agree. It's not going to affect me at all. Because while he's still in his whitey tighties on the couch in his mom's basement, I'll still be doing the thing God called me to do and increasing to levels that I could not have gotten to on my own. You know, it doesn't matter who, who disagrees. It doesn't matter who disagrees. Because if the Lord told you to do it, then his hand on your, that's the whole point of this broadcast today. That's why I'm happy Jacob sees on because this is the whole point. He's very much helping me to prove my point that the only success factor that really matters is if God's hand is on your life or not. That's it. That's why I read Romans 8, 31 at the beginning. If God is for you, who can be against you? If God is for you, who can be against you? Nobody. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. Will people get irritated? Of course they'll get irritated. Do you know one thing people don't like is when you start pressing for greater. You'll find this out. People around you get irritated when you start pressing for greater because it starts to put a spotlight on the fact that they're not doing things. It starts to put a spotlight on the fact that they're not doing what they should be doing. 
And that's why anytime, even if you're working at a job, even if you're working at a job and you start doing more work or you start coming in early or you start getting overtime or whatever it might be, then you start getting those comments from people. Uh Uh-oh. That's why I bring this up because it it happens. Uh Uh-oh, looks like somebody's trying to brown nose the boss. Uh Uh-oh. Looks like, oh, you're trying to get the boss's job. Oh, looks like you don't. Uh oh, looks like somebody's trying to get a paycheck. I mean, there's comment after comment after comment from people because they don't like that you're pressing in and it puts a spotlight on the fact that they show up five minutes late and they leave five minutes early, that they're never available for overtime when the boss asks, that they never get their reports done on time, that they don't do an excellent job. They're just doing enough not to get fired. And people don't like it when you start to press in to do more and to go higher because it makes them uncomfortable. Makes them uncomfortable because it shines a spotlight on what they're not doing. And that's why if you study it throughout the whole Bible, anytime people begin to seek Christ hardcore, they got pushback. They got pushback from people around them. Think of Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10. He needed a miracle. He started crying out. Started crying out for Jesus, son of David, have mercy. What did people around him say? Shut up. Shut up. You're annoying the master. You're troubling the master. Be quiet. They don't want, they, everyone wants you to be at their level. Everybody wants you to be like them. Would you please just coast through life like I'm doing? Would you please just put life on cruise control like I'm doing? Yeah. Would you please just not accomplish anything like I'm doing? They won't say that, but that's what they want. So that they can peacefully coast through their own life and not feel the pressure of doing more. And I'm just going to tell you something. This is the thing people get stuck in. This is why it matters who you surround yourself with. This is why it matters who you put in your circle of influence. This is why it matters. Because you obviously will become the average of the five to 10 people that you hang with the most. And if I'm going to hang with people that are pressing for nothing, coasting through life, no fire, just... They don't care. They got nothing. It's like, like they're like NPCs. <laughs> People watching don't even know what an NPC is. A non-player character in a video game that just kind of walks around the level doing nothing. That's what an NPC is. A non-player character. That's how they are. Kind of just coasting through life. They're like zombies. They're like living zombies. Get up, go to work, do my job, come home, have some dinner, watch Netflix, get up again, go to work, do my job, laugh at a couple jokes, come home. It's like, it's ridiculous. People are living zombies, accomplishing nothing with no eternal mindset, no urgency, knowing that Jesus is coming soon. Nothing. They don't, they don't go through life with any urgency because the devil has just lulled them to sleep. 
This is, listen, this is what changes in you when you start to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and follow his instructions. This is what does it. Is when you start to get instructions from God, hear his voice and begin to go after them with everything you have and you start to see his hand of blessing come upon you and push you higher. When God takes hold of you by his mighty right hand, he'll lift your head and shoulders above the rest. And it's funny because <clears throat> people like like this the drunk guy that's on in his mom's basement, they think that the Bible's all about equality, but they've never read Matthew 25. Because if that's if that's what Jesus was advocating for, and this matters in context of what I'm saying, if that's what Jesus was adv advocating for, then why would the master give five talents to one servant, give two talents to another, and one to another? and then comes back and sees what they do with their faithfulness, gives congratulations to the one that produced, and then the one that did not produce took the thing he had away and then gave it to the one who had the most. That's not an equal distribution of wealth. That, my friend, is the kingdom way. That you get what you get by producing, by being faithful, by being urgent about the master's business. And then the ones who don't produce, and then the ones who just coast through life, the talent is taken from them. The resources are taken from them and given to the one who has the most. Because it pleases God when people produce with what he's given them. And when he addressed the servant who had one talent, he said, you wicked and lazy servant. You wicked and lazy servant. So God views uh, that coasting lifestyle, that maintenance mode lifestyle as wicked. He views laziness as wickedness and punished the servant. He said, now take him, take him and cast him into outer darkness. Yes, Jacob, I am advocating for inequality because that is what, uh, that's, that's not only the kingdom way, there's all kinds of resource available to everyone, but not everybody will be at the same level. And that's the message of the Bible. Not everybody will take, though it's available, not everybody will take advantage of it. The path is straight and narrow, and only a few will find it. The path to hell is wide, and it's open, and the majority are on that path. And even if you're in the kingdom of God, even if you're in the kingdom of God, God's looking for people that will produce, that will stay connected to the vine, that will stay connected to him, hear his voice, and obey his commands. You know what you know would be a, a verse that blows people's minds? Is that God doesn't even love everybody the same. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. I'm not subconsciously pro-inequality. I'm consciously pro-inequality. <laughs> you're not, it's not like you're accusing me of something that I'm denying. I am pro-inequality. Because of course there's equality of opportunity for everybody in the kingdom. But equality of outcome is not possible. It's actually not possible. It's it's totally impossible because you can't with any degree of success, enact it. 
You can't enact it. It's impossible to bring it to pass outside of your theoretical uh, plan. Yes, I am. I am, Jacob. You're correct. And because God is. God gives the same opportunity to everyone, but not everybody will take it. And God knows that. God knows that. And so there's going to be people that have the same opportunities as others that do not capitalize. Even in that parable I read, Matthew 25, all three servants had an opportunity to produce. Even what they received from the master, the Bible says, was as a result of previous faithfulness, of their previous faithfulness. He gave one five, one two, and one one, not because he sovereignly chose to give them different amounts. He based what he gave them on how they had performed in the past, how they had performed in the past. And that's, God's no fool. God's no fool. The Bible says, if you're faithful over little, he'll make you ruler over much. God's no fool. He's not going to put a lot into the hands of someone who can't produce with a little. That's the whole point of this, is that if you want to soar in the things that God's called you to do, then number one, you've got to be able to hear his voice. And then you have to be able to obey, faithfully obey, faithfully obey. And when you do, God will take hold of you, lift your head and shoulders above the rest and, and exalt you. You know, what's interesting. <clears throat> I was quoting that scripture a moment ago. I was getting ready to reference it. John 14, 21. That's a mind-blowing scripture for people. They, they can't even believe it's in the Bible where Jesus said, the ones who love me, truly love me, are the ones who have my commandments and obey them. He said, the ones who have my commandments and obey them are the ones who truly love me. And then I will love them and my father will love them and I will manifest myself to them. So notice what Jesus is saying. I'm not going to manifest myself to everybody, only the ones who have my commandments and obey them. That's the point I was making to reference to uh, Jacob, that God's not into equality like that. The Bible says, Jesus said, these are the red letters. Those who have my commandments and obey them. They are the ones who truly love me. And the ones who love me will be loved by my father and I will love them and I'll manifest myself to them. So God's not a fool. He doesn't give rewards to everybody in the same way. He gives rewards to what? Those who diligently seek him. Those who diligently seek him. Amen. Amen. And I'm telling you, the reason I'm telling you this <clears throat> is because I've seen so many people that literally decide to make their own plan for their own life and then they get frustrated. Why isn't it working out for me? How come these things aren't working? Why, why am I going from problem to problem, issue to issue? Maybe consult the Lord first. It's wrong for a Christian young person <clears throat> to go to college and go off and decide what they're going to do with their life and never once consult the Lord. And then you've got all these people changing their major in college three and four times because they don't even know what they're supposed to be doing. <clears throat> Brian, 
asked the question, if an instruction has been disobeyed because of lacking knowledge, would you recommend going back and following the instruction? Always go back and do the last thing the Lord specifically told you to do. Why would he give you further instructions if you've not obeyed the instructions he's given you already? Always go back and obey the last instruction God gave you. Whatever the last thing he told you to do is, do it. And obey it faithfully as much as you can until he gives you your next instruction. Until he gives you your next instruction. And that's how it works in the kingdom. God is an instruction and obedience-based God. If you will faithfully do all that I command you today, Deuteronomy 28.1, then I will lift you high above all the nations of the earth. Right? Has nothing to do with, well, you know, I love you so much. I'm just going to lift you up above the nation. No, it's contingent upon your responsibility. It's contingent upon your obedience to instruction. If you'll faithfully obey all that I command you to do this day, then I will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And he goes through all the blessings for 14 verses. What does that mean? Isaiah 119, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Yep. Job 36, 11, if they will obey and serve me, they'll spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. That's right. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of wicked or in the, of the wicked or stands in the way of sinners or joins in with mockers, but delights himself in the laws of the Lord. He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bears fruit in its season. His leaves will never wither, and in all that he does, he'll prosper. Do you see it? All of the prerequisites are, will you obey God's instructions? Will you faithfully and willingly obey him? That's the prerequisite. And he said, if you will, then the blessing will flow like you've never, ever seen. The blessing will flow like you've never, ever seen. That's what God wants for you. That's what God wants for you. Amen. And so I'm going to pray for you today because I know I get messages from people. And that's one of the things I get messages about. Would you pray for me? that the Lord would show me what I'm supposed to do with my, I have no idea right now. I need clarity. I get that all the time. Get it all the time. I need clarity. Uh, brother. Ted. I get it. I get it. I get it. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you today. I didn't, I didn't delete anybody. Lennox said, you deleted, is that Sandy? You deleted me with Jacob. I didn't delete, I've not deleted anybody. I didn't even delete Jacob. I just thought he stopped commenting. <laughs> but I want to pray. Brian said, do you think the teaching that Jesus done it all for us is causing confusion without obeying? He has opened up the way. He purchased redemption for you, yes. But you still have to obey. It doesn't mean obedience is not necessary. That's why the hyper grace message is damaging. It's total nonsense. It's total nonsense. And it destroys 
people's lives because it's not God's way. It's actually a manipulation of his word. But Father, I pray in Jesus' name for your people today. Those that are watching, <clears throat> those that may be listening on the podcast, they don't know what it is they should be doing. They don't have clarity right now about their calling. I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to them clearly as they take time to fast and pray. Let them know, speak to them clearly about what you've asked them to do, what you've called them to do. Let them know. And then, Father, I pray you give us a fire and a boldness to obey you like we've never obeyed you, to take hold of your instructions and run forward in obedience and faithfulness like we never have. In Jesus' name, to run forward like we never have. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that as we obey you, the blessings of heaven, the resources of heaven, the help of God will come upon us like never before. The last six months of this year, it's our reaping season. It's our year of transformation. We're going higher than we've ever been in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it and we give you praise. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.